You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 159. Everybody was pretty much strangers just wanting to make a difference with their therapy dogs. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Today, I am so proud to introduce you to Carol Euster. Carol is the executive director and founder of Canine Reading Buddies of the North Shore. This is a nonprofit business that supplements literacy programs in suburban libraries and schools. They use reading teams consisting of registered therapy dogs and qualified handlers to strengthen reading skills while also boosting confidence. I think we can all understand why this is such a worthwhile cause. I'm thrilled to get into the story. Carol, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. So I start off in a little bit of a different way, and that is by having you describe yourself through a motivational candle. So if you were to tell me what color and what type of a saying or a quote would be on a candle that would really resonate with you, what would your candle look like? Well, that's interesting you asked me because I literally have a candle burning on my desktop right now. (laughs) (laughs) And it's actually less about the color for me than it is about the scent. The scent is lavender. And I feel motivation from the scent of lavender, which is why I have that burning. I've tried vanilla before and other scents, but lavender seems to, I don't know, maybe it's the inner yogi in me. So that's what motivates me and keeps me in a heightened state of awareness. And it's interesting you asked about a quote because I have a quote that I keep on my kitchen cabinet And I actually happened to see it and hear it on the NBC Nightly News about a month ago. There was an artist who in England was putting posters of inspirational quotes all around his city. And people took the time to write back on his sign, thanking him for changing their day. And actually, there was even somebody who was apparently suicidal and reading this man's quote kept him from making that awful choice. So the name of this artist is Andy Leak. And he now has inspirational quotes that he posts throughout literally the world, like they're even in Alaska. And it wasn't actually a sign. It wasn't actually something written. It was at the end of his interview, he said something that resonated with me. So I wrote it down. And that's my inspirational quote. And he said, if you do things without an agenda, the universe pays you back in some amazing, crazy ways. I want to just let that settle in a little bit. But I love that because you're saying just put out the good in the world and don't have an ulterior motive, really. And then good will come back to you. Exactly. I love that. Do you use that in your life? Is that kind of how you roll, I guess I'll ask? Well, yes, it is. And the point being that probably often all heard, if you put something out in the universe, something good will come back to you. But I've never actually heard it said in the way that he said it. And or if you're shopping for a house and you're getting frustrated, you're not finding the house that you're looking for. 
don't worry, one day the right house will present itself. In fact, those kinds of things have happened and do happen to me, and I think they happen to all of us. We just have to have the presence, the awareness to realize when those things are happening and that it's not just an accident. It is by design. Yeah, when they're happening and then take advantage of them. Exactly. See the opportunity and then act on it, really. Exactly. You and I are kindred spirits then because I totally believe in all of that too, 100%. All right, so I am so curious, Carol, and you and I met in person at a Chamber of Commerce meeting and I heard about your business and we talked a little bit and I was so excited to get you on the show. And I don't know if you remember what I said to you when we met, but it's like, stop, stop, stop. Don't tell me anymore. I want to wait and hear it firsthand from you. And so that's what we'll do now. So take it from the top. Tell me all about Canine Reading Buddies. Well, we started as a small group of people in 2007. It was a total of five of us who met at a Starbucks in the town that we live in and talked about this vision that we had of bringing our therapy dog teams into schools to support literacy programs and to motivate kids to want to read. And at that time, it was just five of us who wanted to make a difference. And what happened was that as we began to break ground, and of course, there's a whole story behind all of that, people, moms, dads, who brought their kids to libraries to read to our canine reading buddies, wondered how they could do what we were doing. And that first year, all we did was make copies of sheets of information that I had collected from a nonprofit that I had worked with prior to this group. So to figure out how to do what we wanted to do. We just met a couple times a month and we talked about what happened and how to work with certain situations at the library or with parents or with children. And as other people became interested in what we were doing, they wanted to do what we were doing. And by 2008, we realized that we could no longer just be five people sharing information and talking about it. We needed to create an actual process for new people to come on board and to have consistency and a protocol for how to deliver our program in the professional manner that we designed. And so we were really an accidental nonprofit. I used to call us the Euster Foundation because it was being funded pretty much by my family, my husband and I. As we grew, we realized that we needed to become a nonprofit and it needed to self-fund and we needed to have our volunteers actually pay a membership so that we could continue to grow and expand. So when you were first just the five people sitting in Starbucks, were you guys friends or were you connected already because you had registered therapy dogs? So you were already into that interest of helping people with therapy dogs? That's a really good question. Well, what happened was I had moved away for a year and lived in Wisconsin with my family. I had a golden retriever at the time that I had trained and then tested to become a therapy dog. And I volunteered with this chapter of the therapy registry that had a reading program set up at the local library. And that's where I got the idea that this is something that really resonates with me. And I participated in that program that whole year. And when we moved back to Highland Park, there wasn't a program like that. And I knew I didn't have time to travel to Chicago where Sit, Stay, Read runs its programs because I had a child in school like a lot of us do or did or just, you know, we're busy 
people working during the day and don't have much time to travel, but want to give back. And so I realized other people were probably like me and wanted to do this too. And literally, I just began to find some of the people through the therapy registry that live locally. And actually, one of them was somebody that I swam alongside at the uh, local rec center. And so I knew her from there. But otherwise, everybody was pretty much strangers just wanting to make a difference with their therapy dogs. So you were getting together with them. And so you guys decided still it was more of a, I'm not going to say it was a hobby because clearly therapy dogs, I mean, it's a serious thing when you're doing that. But you were doing it more not thinking you were going to turn it into a big business. I was not. It was a nice thing to do with some nice people. Yeah. And a way to give back and spend your time in a good way, a give back way, if you will, all of that, right? Exactly. It was a win-win all the way around. And at the same time, little did you know, you were testing the viability of the program. Right, exactly. So was there a trigger? You were saying already the size, there were so many people interested in doing this too. But was there a certain point in time when you just said, all right, no, now we have to put systems around it, we have to become more professional and organized? Or did it just kind of evolve to that realization? Well, it evolved, and but also the right people, there you go, the right people sort of fell in my path or our path in that my background before I became a mom and moved to Highland Park, my background was as an IT training manager and consultant in Silicon Valley. So I had the experience of setting up programs and implementing them and creating processes and standards and structures. So it was a natural segue for me to do that with Canine Reading Buddies. What I didn't have the skill set to do was to create an actual training class. I could say what I thought should be in a class, but I didn't know how to create one. And then one of our team members who had a background in instructional technology training and design. So together, we designed a class. She knew how to make a multimedia class engaging and fun. And I knew what needed to be in that class. So that was one of those, if you put it out in the universe, the universe gives back kind of moments. Yeah, totally. The other thing that I really like here, just by way of a demonstration for our listeners, is you had different people with different skills. I don't know what the other three people, you just described you and this other person as part of your group. But it's nice if you're putting something together where there's a group of you that each of you brings something different to the table. Exactly. One of our team members is and was, she's still active with us, a certified teacher. And she ended up going for her master's in ESL instruction. And along the way, a lot of how she got to where she is was by having volunteered with us and being exposed to higher Hispanic population that were struggling readers. And that gave her the idea to move on with extra education and get a degree. And now she's back in school teaching, but she still helps out with our program on weekends. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a great story. You each were helping each other there for sure. Give us a little feel for what the organization looks like today. So today we have upwards of 50 to 60 volunteers. And what evolved was we started out as trained therapy dog teams going into schools and libraries, but then it evolved into needing somebody to run those programs at the libraries. When we just had one library, I would run the program, but now we have eight libraries. It may come as a surprise to you, but I can't be everywhere. (laughs) You can't. You're superwoman, right? (laughs) Exactly. It's just not physically possible. 
So now we have adult volunteers without dogs who manage our library programs, and we call them library services coordinators. And they manage everything that happens and all of the details of signing in the children and talking with the parents and doing all the PR and making sure that everything is running smoothly at the libraries. So they are the point person there. And we also added youth volunteers. And those youth volunteers are sixth grade up through high school who volunteer without a dog to help those library services coordinators at the libraries, but also they help at events that we run, as do the library services coordinators. So their event staff as well as library staff. How the youth volunteers happened was actually an interesting story because I, back in 2008, my son was 10 years old and I would pick him up from, we're Jewish, I picked him up from Hebrew school and I would have him be at the library while we were running the program. And he asked if he could read to one of the reading buddies. And I said, why would you want to do that? Because we have two golden retrievers who are reading buddies at home. They were the first reading buddies. And he said, well, but it's different when you're reading in the library and it's not to your own dog. Can I do that? And I said, I'd have to check. And he said, well, isn't this your program? And I said, well, that's a good point. And I guess my boss says you can do it. So that night he read to a reading buddy and was really excited to read to this Leon Burger. But that was just one night. And the rest of the nights, he had to keep busy while he was there so he wouldn't be interrupting me. So I would give him tasks. And he would be in charge of shuttling the children to and from the reading buddies. He would be in charge of taking their photo afterwards of the child with the reading buddy. And then he would have to make notes about what they were wearing. So we would make sure that we sent the right picture by email to the right parent. And as the years went on, one of the kids aged out of our program from first through fifth grade. That's our grade school program at the library. And after he aged out, he still wanted to be involved. And he asked if he could do what my son Adam was doing because he wanted to do that job. And this child was on the spectrum, so he's a little insecure. So he's a little shy. And this was big for him. He wanted to give back. And who better than somebody who was actually involved in the program from the beginning anyways? And so he is still a youth volunteer with us to this day. He's a senior in high school. Now we've had just numbers of youth volunteers throughout every school year asking to volunteer with us. And their parents love it because it empowers their children. It teaches them responsibility. It's not just a nice to have job. We really need their help. And they're important. I am so impressed with the inclusiveness of the entire program. Now you're talking about not only the younger students, I'll call them, being participants, but then also helping others, helping the children who are reading to the reading buddies, right? Exactly. But then you've also got the people who have the dogs, and then you also have other people who may not own a dog or have the ability to put a pet through the structure to be able to have them registered. So virtually anybody who has a passion could potentially find a space within your organization. Exactly. I mean, the library services coordinators love being around children, love being around the dogs, and love giving back and making a difference. One of our coordinators, she has been on the board of Lurie's Children's Memorial Hospital for like 25 years. And this is her favorite thing to do once a month. She goes to this little one-room library in Highwood once a month. We just have one reading team there. She just loves it. 
And a couple of our other library services coordinators are retired school teachers. So they just love being around the kids and the dogs. Oh, I love this. So I know for sure that therapy dogs do something physically when you're around them. You can bring therapy dogs into hospitals just to meet with patients for a mood elevation or something. I also know in senior centers, assisted living, they'll bring dogs in. Can you share with us some of the research of what happens physically when you're around animals like this? Carol is going to give us her answer right after a word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. Well, certainly. The truth is that just being in the same room as a dog lowers blood pressure and reduces anxiety, even if you don't pet that dog. So when you do pet the dog, then your oxytocin levels go up and your stress levels go down. It just is a naturally occurring experience. And the result is that when people are relaxed, especially in a situation where you have a struggling reader, then they can focus because they're not feeling nervous. That's actually the magic that happens. People tend to open up more, and it's not through any kind of solicitation necessarily. We do stress relief clinics at the high schools These are teenagers. If you have a teenager in your house today, it's hard to get your own teenager to talk to you, much less one you don't know. And when you have a therapy dog at your side and they're petting your dog, they open up. They tell you things that they would never normally tell you or anybody in a public setting, except for the fact that that dog is there and they're relaxed enough to just chatter away. And oftentimes they say things in front of kids they don't even know. And sometimes it's personal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But again, they all feel relaxed. It's just something different happens when that dog is there. It sounds kind of magical, actually. Yep. And it is. In fact, when I take my work breaks, I go to my therapy dog. And he's not actually a therapy dog yet. He's a two-year-old golden retriever. He'll be tested. But he provides therapy to me. Because the beautiful thing is that when you are with that dog, your dog, there is only that moment. If we could just learn from our dogs, they're not thinking about yesterday and what they should have done. They're not thinking about their to-do list today or what they want to do when you're done petting them. They're in that very moment. And if we could all just be in that very moment, we would all have a lot less stress. I so agree with you there. But you know what has just happened, Carol? Anybody who's listening who has wanted a dog, I think we've just convinced them. (laughs) It's time. It's time to go out and get a dog, whether it's for therapy or just for your house as a pet to have a companion. Exactly. So you can proudly blame Carol and I for that, for your renewed passion and interest give biz listeners of wanting to go get a dog. (laughs) Let's talk through more of the business end now. Was there ever a time that was really challenging and a real big struggle as you got from 2007 sitting around in Starbucks, one of my favorite places, to where you are today? Any challenges that you could share with us? Yes. And I didn't have to think very hard to bring this one up. When we started out, our teams were all registered with Therapy Dogs International. And what happened was, it's a very long story that I'll make very short. They decided that 
any team registered with them could not volunteer with any other nonprofit, regardless of whether it was another therapy registry. It could be there's another nonprofit reading education assistance dogs, which actually is how I learned about how to set up our program here because I first became a reading education assistance dogs team. Therapy Dogs International would cancel your membership if you volunteered with any other nonprofit. So what ended up happening was my teams began to get letters, as did I, that Therapy Dogs International was going to cancel our membership. They offered me that I could, and I got on the phone with the president, Ursula Kemp at the time, and I explained to her that we are a registered nonprofit, a 501c3, we do fundraising, and that it made no sense for them to cancel our membership because we're a literacy program that uses trained therapy dog teams. We're not a therapy dog registry. So their reason for canceling all our team's membership and mine made no sense. And she said to me, well, you could become a chapter of Therapy Dogs International and then raise money for us, but not be recognized as canine reading buddies of the North Shore anymore. And? And I thought, well, why would I do that? I mean, I spent all this time working on our nonprofit, building it, developing a reputation. Why would I fold it and raise money for a therapy registry, especially since they don't have a therapy dog program? They had a little thing they called, they put out flyers saying they had a program called Wagon Tails. And it was just a one sheet piece of paper that said, in general, what you could do. Ours is a full-blown program with training right? It's not just a one sheet thing where people just go out and do something. Not to disparage any of your listeners who may be doing that. And that's fine that they're doing that because reading programs need to be a lot of places and we can't all be everywhere at the same time. So however, some of your listeners may be doing a reading program, that's a good thing. It's a bad thing to tell other reading programs that they can no longer do it though, Right, (laughs) that they must dissolve and desist. So It was an extremely stressful period. It happened during the holiday season, and I was beside myself. I didn't know quite what to do, but I did know about other therapy registries. So I did my research, and I built a relationship with what was called, at that time, Therapy Dogs Incorporated. Same acronym, different nonprofit. And I spoke with the executive director that we had, like, I don't know, we must have had 20-something odd teams at that time that were all registered with Therapy Dogs International, that their memberships were going to be canceled, but we had programming ongoing and we needed to keep with their schedule. Is there any way they could work with us to test our teams and have them switch over all at once? Well, our story was an old story. They'd heard it before. They were getting a lot of new members from Therapy Dogs International. Therapy Dogs Incorporated, their mission is to provide testing, temperament and obedience, and provide insurance for their members to go out and do therapy work. And that could be wherever they choose to do it. There's no stranglehold on how and who they do it with. And that's their whole purpose. And so they were very gracious. And we were able to set up uh, testing for all of our teams and transition them all at once. And it wasn't easy. And it was extremely stressful. And I remember at the time hearing that Miley Cyrus song, The Climb. And I would use that as sort of like my mantra because it seemed like an insurmountable mountain. I didn't want to quit. I didn't want somebody telling me no. It was important. And we never looked back. And now we're all with Alliance of Therapy Dogs 
and couldn't be prouder. And you made it. I mean, it was probably such a rough time, but you didn't give up. I think that's the important thing. We didn't give up. We had to find a solution one way or another. Exactly. There was one other time that we had a door close in our face. And this is something that your listeners could benefit from. And I always tell our students when we do presentations that when you have a good idea, don't take no for an answer, just persevere. When we started out and approached the school district, there was a city ordinance that prohibited dogs from being on school property and in public buildings. The schools wanted to use our program, but there was this law that kept us from being used. So in the summer of 2007, I worked with our city councilwoman to make a change in that ordinance. I drafted language that made an exception for registered therapy dogs to be on school property and in public buildings for the purposes of academic and therapeutic reasons. And that summer, the city council passed that exception unanimously. So if there is a city ordinance or a law that prohibits dogs from being on school property or in libraries where your listeners would like to volunteer, there don't give up. There is a way to make a change or for anything else that may be standing in their way when they have a good idea. Look for alternatives and how you can work with that. Yeah, this is a great story because I think that we think, okay, if there's a law, it's over. That's where the book closes. But you're showing that that might not be the case. Don't just take that at face value and say, okay, and stop whatever it is you're doing, whether it's therapy dogs or something else that you're doing for whatever your product is. Dig deeper. Exactly. Make sure that it's a closed door, that it's just not shut a little bit and that you can't open it and change something. Don't give up on your dream so easily. Both of those times, Carol, you could have said, all right, insurmountable. We had a fun go at it and now it's over. You could have easily done that, right? But you don't sound like the type to do it. (laughs) Oddly enough, I didn't know that I wasn't the type to do it. I didn't know. I didn't know I had that in me at all. But I just realized that I just knew what we were doing had a place and that it was the right thing to do. And I have a passion for it. And all of our volunteers had a passion for it. And I didn't know that I had that sort of strength. That's a great comment. Very insightful. We really don't know until we reach some of these things. And you probably didn't know until you got past it. You're not sure what the outcome's going to be. Exactly. And the other thing I think with your example is you probably pushed forward because you had people counting on you. Now you had teams and you were part of that group of five or however many there still were at the time for your original group together. But this brings up a different question for me. We talk often about people who have partners in a business and the challenges you can have when it's two people who are at the helm running a business. You guys had five. Were there any challenges or is there any advice that you could give when there are multiple people? Maybe not everyone's the direct leader in steering the ship, but you had a group who were moving this mission forward. Any advice on that? I treat everybody collaboratively and Our nonprofit could not be where it is today if it weren't for the insight and effort of literally every volunteer who has been with us and continues to join us. I can't take credit for what we have today. It's definitely due to everybody who has been involved. What I've always said is that always share an idea, always share a concept with us because you can make a difference. You can make it better. And if people don't speak up, we say that in our training classes too, 
that if you don't speak up, then we're not going to improve our quality. Let us know what we can do to improve or let us know what you'd like to see happen. And we've never had any conflicts. I know it's almost like too good to be true, right? But everybody's in it for the common good and everybody works together and uses their skill sets to make a difference. That's all I can say that we've never had anything negative come up. Well, it sounds like it's because everyone is really focused on the end result. No one's looking at taking the glory at any portion along the way. Everyone's focusing on the goal of doing good. That's exactly true. And I'm going to point out right now, we're moving towards this huge event that we've never done before. It's a vision that we had, some of us, a couple years ago. Canine Pup Strutton Expo is May 5th at Sunset Woods in Highland Park and is designed to bring together, it's celebrating 10 years as a nonprofit, and it's designed to bring together the dog-loving community, the academic community, and the social and emotional health community all in one place. It is a fundraiser for us. And again, never did anything like this before. It's scary. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely bitten off more than I could chew, but we've got great volunteers. They all pipe up at different moments and offer different skill sets. It's not like we've broken down into committees. I wish we had, but again, this is being run out of my home office and by emails. So we don't have that kind of structure. Maybe next year we will. But this is a fundraiser for us, and this is also for awareness to increase our resources so that we can expand. And the reality is that it's huge, but it's, again, something designed to bring together what I think of as all our friends. Who's our friends? It's the libraries. It's the schools. It's the students. It's the families. It's everybody in the communities that has supported us every step of the way. So we're going to have, like, of course, dog-themed businesses and services. There will be a canine reading buddy booth where kids can read to a therapy dog and get a complimentary photo taken. There will be an author doing a book giveaway and doing a couple readings. She wrote a book about a library dog, and we partnered with her when she did her book launch in the fall. And there will be a youth art tent where kids can color Bucky the dog. That's the, the logo dog for the Highland Park Bank and Trust. And as I describe it, it's something for everybody. There will be pet masseuses there for giving pet massages, but then there's going to be our local therapeutic needs doing chair massages for people. So it's something for everybody where everybody can share and learn. We're going to have tutors there because what do our kids need? They need tutors. They sometimes need a little help. And we'll have human tutors there, not just dog trainers there and groomers there promoting their services for people who maybe they just moved and they don't know what's available. So it's something for everybody. And that is my other big dream, to just pull together the communities all along the North Shore and beyond to share information on a beautiful May morning. Hopefully it's warm then. And it's all for the greater good. To me, it's a win-win. Yes, it is a fundraiser for us, but it's also to just put everybody in the same place. They got to go out and walk their dogs anyhow. Why not do it with like a few hundred other good friends? Sure. And once again, there's inclusion there because you're expanding this and including other businesses who are in the area, right? So Sandy with Therapeutic Needs and all the other businesses that you described. So, and the great thing about that too, I'm sure you already know this, but I'm just talking this through for our listeners as well, is everybody that you invite to participate comes with their own followers, their own customers, etc. So in terms of getting visibility and then participation on that day is big. 
Exactly. We have from the pet stores like Bentley's and Chrysler's. And I think when I met you, we weren't even at this point when I first met you at the chamber meeting and Pet People is going to be there. And then we have Carriage Hills Kennels and Rover's Place. So we have doggy daycare places that'll be there. But then we also have with merchandise that none of us, maybe a lot of us haven't seen before because they're coming from other places. So people who are like looking for cute little dog accessories for their dogs, they're going to find it there at this pet expo. Just really something for everybody. And our author is giving away a hundred books of her story about a library dog. It's called The Secret Room. For the first hundred children she meets, she's giving a brand new book. Oh, that's so wonderful. Isn't that nice? Oh my gosh. What an exciting thing to look forward to. I'm sure there's a lot of work, (laughs) you know, an organization and all of that, but what a great mission to do this event. Yeah, it's a lot of work. But again, what I'm going to say is that different volunteers of mine pop up at different times and they say, can I help you with this? Or can I help you with that? And then I tap into them. So in that way, as it has always been, we're a bit organic, but it always works out. That's fabulous. Now, you've mentioned that you're working out of your house and you have a lot of things in play, right? Because you have events that you're doing, you have the libraries, you have the schools, all of this stuff all together. How do you keep everything organized from a home office business perspective? Well, I'm a Virgo, which means we're detail oriented. Well, that's it. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, enough said. So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. I think I'm just a natural multitasker. But if I'm sitting in my office right now and I do have easel sized post-it sheets all throughout my walls now due to this event, normally I wouldn't have it that way. But because this event is something we've never done. And again, I will say, oh, yeah, a little bit scary. But we do have some help with a production company helping us and a PR firm. Luckily, they take pity on us and give us nonprofit rates. So otherwise, you know, this fundraiser would make us go broke. So right now, that's kind of how I do it with these easel sized post-it sheets to make sure I stay on track in different areas. And I just create a lot of files and label them. And then I also recognize that I do have to shut down after like six o'clock. I have to stop because when what you do is your passion, you actually never leave it. It is with you 24-7. You think about it constantly. And But there is some point where you have to say, okay, I seriously have to turn off because we're not machines. Absolutely right. You've just given us three really good points. The first thing that I love that you were saying is about outsourcing some of this. You're not the professional at putting on events, although you're so professional and you probably could do it all yourself, but you have everything, all the normal everyday things that you need to do to keep the organization running. Correct. So outsourcing to somebody who has that skill already is such a smart thing. And gift is listeners, for you, it might be have someone help you build your website or have someone figure out how to put up your social media or whatever it is. But consider if this is not a talent that you have or the time, outsourcing just even by a task doesn't have to be forever. It could be just on a project basis like Carol's talking about. The other thing that I really liked about what you're saying, Carol, is the post-it notes because you're getting your ideas up where they're visible at all times and you can move them around. So I bet that's been really helpful. Right. So what happens when you hire a PR firm in a production company is that they create projects for you. And so you're suddenly thrust into an area of tasks, doing things that you've never had to do before. So it's quite a learning curve. But it creates a project list that have to design so that you fulfill on your end 
and so that describes a lot of the post-it sheets, the ESO size post-it sheets, so that we make sure we stay on track with what our commitments are in order to follow through on the project that we got handed by the production company or the PR firm. Right. You weren't expecting that, it sounds like. Well, yeah, because we'd never done this before. So the thing is that with the production company, they'll be managing all the on-site event and coordinating all of that. But bringing in the dog team businesses and merchants and all the relationships lands on us. And when I say us, that kind of usually means me. But there's all this support system. So they're not here with me, but they're there for me to call up or tap into it. As is my web designer. And I will say this one thing about the website since you brought it up. It wasn't until this last fall, so pretty much 11 years, that we had a website up. We had a couple false starts, and so never wasn't to my liking with a couple relationships that we had a few years ago. And I wanted a certain look and feel. So I wasn't just going to put up brochureware. I really wanted a look and feel that represented us. And finally, I landed with the right relationship in, uh, I think, North Carolina. Could be South Carolina. So hopefully they're not listening because I might be confusing my Carolinas. But anyways, they are so supportive and so wonderful. They came up with the right look and feel for us. And we get compliments all the time. And they taught me how to work with them to give them the right content to get that look and feel. So we're really proud of it. It's beautiful. In preparation for us talking, I did take a peek over at the site. It's gorgeous. Well, thank you. And so that's what I want your listeners to know, that don't be in a rush. You feel you're there now you do exist with your product. And we existed for 11 years. And it feels like you're not really on the map until you have your website. Because people always say, oh, so what's your website? And you feel bad because you say, well, I don't have one. But it's better to say, I don't have one than to say you have one. But inside, you feel like it's not one that you can stand behind. It's not one that you're proud of. I recommend waiting until you get the one that you'll be proud of. But don't wait too long. Right. 11 years is too long. (laughs) I feel like everybody needs their website. And you know, for credibility too, because what do people do if they're not sure of an organization, they're going to go look at the website. And if you don't have one online, it could bring up questions. Exactly. And then your point about free time, boy, can you teach me how to do that? Because I am not good at that, but I know how important it is. Just taking time, walking away. And you're so much better when you come back, when you do walk away for a little while. All right. If someone, maybe it's not doing exactly what you're doing, but someone's on the brink of thinking, all right, maybe I can start this vision that I had for a business. Maybe it's doable. What would you say to someone who's just on the edge and needs that little push to get started? I would say to them that you really have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in your mission. Because if you do, nothing will stop you. And just to persevere. And the other thing is a a quote from one of those motivational signs that a lot of us have had over the years. To stay the course, sometimes you have to make waves. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid. Just dive in. Perfect. Have a plan, but dive in. Yeah, love that. So Carol, we have been talking about things just aren't a coincidence and the law of attraction and all of that. And that leads me right into my final question for you, which is a dare to dream question. I want to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in front of all of us right here. What is inside your box? 
Well, my box contains therapy dogs at every school to help every child who needs it. I just think that would have a huge impact because these children grow up. They grow up to run our country and to run our businesses. And up until second grade, kids learn to read. But after third grade, they read to learn. So if they can't read, we're all in trouble. So if we could have therapy dogs at all the schools to support all the kids and reduce their anxiety so that they could focus and read, I think our world would be a better place. Beautiful. I've got to tell you while you're saying that, all I see is a box opening up and all of these cute, adorable puppies jumping out. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm taking every single one of them. (laughs) There you go. Really? So, all right. If you could tell us one place online where you would direct someone if they want to know a little bit more about the business, whether it's your Facebook page or website or wherever, what would you say right here for people who are just listening? I would say go to caninerbns.org. That's K as in canine. So K the letter, nine the number, RBNS as in Reading Buddies of the North Shore. So caninerbns.org. And just take a look around. Good pictures, good information, not too wordy. Whether you're just interested in what's involved or how you could be a volunteer or what do those youth volunteers do anyways, all your answers should be there. Perfect. And Gift Biz listeners, you also know there's a show notes page. I'll have all their other information there, Facebook links, etc. So just jump over to Gift Biz Unwrapped and you will see Carol's show notes page there. Carol, I'm so glad we got this together. I know you're so busy with your event coming up. We were kind of going back and forth as to whether we could get this in. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really, really good and solid business skills that you've talked with us about in terms of strategy and planning and working as a team. I really, really appreciate your business expertise and you sharing it with all of us. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. There you have it, Gift Biz listeners. If you have ever thought of turning a passion of yours into a nonprofit, Carol has really delivered the goods overcome obstacles, and really built something great. Speaking of great, I cannot wait to share with you our episode for next week. If you have been looking at getting into corporate, landing big accounts from companies you've just had your eye on and felt that there was no way you could possibly get in and talk with them and actually get the business, you do not want to miss what's up next week. I'll see you then. This episode is all wrapped up, but fortunately, your gift biz journey continues. Are you eager to learn more? Our gift biz gal has a free download just for you. Head over to giftbizunwrapped.com slash 12 steps to get your copy of the 12 steps to starting a profitable gift biz. Don't delay. Head over to giftbizunwrapped.com slash 12 steps today. And until next time, happy business crafting.